What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hey, folks. It's Greg Allman with the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com back on the Locked on Bucks podcast. Uh, we are here for episode 58 Wednesday, looking forward to a Buccaneers road game at the 49ers this weekend. They will head out on Friday. Uh, opportunity to build on the momentum from their Monday night win against the Panthers last week. Uh, not that much to get to. Tuesday, as you know, is a uh, off day. No access, no practice for the Bucks. So usually not a lot of news to come out of Tuesday. Main thing we're going to talk about today uh, is Vincent Jackson. We had kind of teased to this in yesterday's Later Than It Should Be podcast. Uh, and by late afternoon, we knew that Vincent Jackson uh, was headed to injured reserve uh, with an ACL injury. There are conflicting reports as to whether it is a tear or not. Uh, I think they are keeping the door slightly open. Uh, these days with injured reserve, NFL teams uh, have the right to bring back one player who was put on an injured reserve after the uh, final cut day. Uh, so, in theory, he could miss eight games and come back and play the final three games of the season. If it's any kind of ACL tear, that's, that's not a factor. Uh, that's, you know, as you guys know, uh, a 9, 10, 11, 12-month injury. Uh, it would have to be not an ACL injury and just some kind of uh, ligament strain for him to have any window to come back uh, eight weeks from now. Uh, I think they're going to keep that door open, but I think in all likelihood he is done for the season and honestly potentially for his NFL career. I mean, we had talked about Vincent uh, potentially playing in his last season before he had a major injury. Uh, His production obviously had dropped off a little bit here in the first five games of the season. Uh, But honestly, you have to give him credit. Uh, As we talk about him before we move on to life after Vincent Jackson, uh, he had two big catches on that final drive uh, to set up the, the winning field goal uh, against Carolina, and now we know that he did that uh, with an injured knee. So, again, stepped up, uh, did not have very many big catches this year, but had some big ones on that drive to help get them in position for that uh, Roberto Aguayo 38-yard game winner as time expired. Uh, Vincent Jackson, you know, you can look back on things. Uh, it's it's not often you get a five-year, $55 million receiver contract uh, and have that played out. So I think the Bucks did well just to find someone who could play at the level of that high salary for as long as they did. Uh, you got four 1,000-yard seasons out of him. Uh, obviously, this last year uh, wasn't what they wanted. But, again, uh, you have a guy who is the Bucks' man of the year each of the last three seasons, has certainly done a lot of great things in the Bucks community. Uh, and then just uh, on the field. I mean, you're talking about a guy that, that will be among the Bucks' all-time leaders at receiver. Uh, whether he comes back or not, uh, Again, the Bucks' career records aren't always the most amazing things in the world, uh, but you had a guy that was very productive here for four years. Uh, I'm sure Mike Evans will point to him down the road as someone who helped him learn how to be an NFL receiver, uh, somebody with a similar body type and similar skill sets. Uh, so it's very unfortunate uh, that the Bucks are moving forward without Vincent Jackson. Uh, we will see whether this is it for him or not. Uh, but the question now, and something obviously we debated quite a bit on Twitter yesterday, is what the Bucks' next options are. 
Uh, and they can go in a lot of different ways here. We want to run through all the different options in-house, uh, guys that are still on the street, guys that could get in trades. Uh, there are a lot of different options, and there's no real obvious answer. Uh, the Bucks don't have to make a decision today or this week. Uh, this is something they can kind of let play out. The NFL trade deadline uh, is November 1st, which is the Monday after, uh, I guess, a week from Sunday. Not sure if that's the easiest way to explain it. But the Bucks have two games before that trade deadline where they can look at their in-house options, uh, look at what they're getting from those, see what they can get by with. Um, you know, this is a Bucks offense that's probably more shorthanded than we expected. Uh, I think when I tallied it up last night, uh, Vincent Jackson, Charles Sims, and Austin Tavarian Jenkins had 105 catches last year. 105 catches, all from Jameis Winston. Uh, that's his top tight end from last year. Uh, that's his top pass-catching running back and his number two receiver. Um, so to lose all three of them, and they've lost them for different reasons. Obviously, Austin Tavarian Jenkins wasn't hurt. They made the decision to walk away from Austin after his arrest. Uh, Sims could be back for the last five games of the year. We don't want to discount that. But right now, and for the next six weeks, they don't have any of those three. Uh, so, you know, you're having to get by. Uh, the Bucks certainly hope with a healthy Doug Martin. Um, and, and then limited options around that. Uh, we're talking about in-house options first, and that's something we want to think about. But there's, you know, they'll, they'll look at what's in-house. They're going to look at who they could bring in off the street right now. Uh, and, and then they'll look at what the value would be in a potential trade. And, and none of those three options are going to be ruled out. Uh, but it's a lot of different ways they could go with different expenses, long-term, different uh, results, short-term. It's a lot they have to balance and a lot they have to decide as a franchise right now. I do want to point out that today's podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Uh, we have SeatGeek as a sponsor on the website, on the podcast, I should say. Uh, and great to have them not only here but all over the Locked on Bucks podcast. Uh, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. Uh, there's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. You know, I'm, I'm going to San Francisco for the first time this weekend, uh, and I think I'm going to be very much a tourist in terms of taking in all the normal things around San Francisco uh, and the Bay Area. But honestly, if you want to make a football weekend of this weekend, there's a lot you can do. Uh, obviously, the Bucks playing Sunday against the 49ers. That's a game on SeatGeek. Starts at $33 for tickets. Well under face value uh, for that beautiful new Levi's Stadium there in Santa Clara. But if you wanted to, I'm flying in Friday afternoon. If I hurried, I could go to Oregon at Cal on Friday night. That's a $38 ticket uh, to see Mark Helfrich in Oregon uh, against Cal. You know, Saturday afternoon without having to go very far at all. Stanford is at home against Colorado. If you want to get to more Pac-12 action, uh, that's a $33 ticket Saturday afternoon. So a bunch of college football right there in the Bay Area for Bucks fans that are in San Francisco. And again, SeatGeek, one place where you can get all the tickets. I have SeatGeek's app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find tickets for this weekend or any game this season. Uh, with SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Uh, prices can vary depending on where you shop, but with SeatGeek, you will always get the lowest available price. Uh, SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. They know what seats go for in these stadiums, so you can search by price, obviously, but if you want to search 
based on relative value, you can do that as well. It might be a $200 ticket that normally goes for $300, and they'll let you know that. Uh, you'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. For my listeners on this podcast, uh, you can get a $20 rebate off of your first SeatGeek purchase. To do that, uh, to get your $20 repeat, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. Enter promo code LOBUCKS, that's locked on bucks, L-O-B-U-C-S, SeatGeek will send you a $20 rebate after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LOBUCKS today. Thanks again for having them as a sponsor here on the Locked on Bucks podcast. Main thing we want to talk about today is what the Bucks do from here, what their options are uh, to move forward and have a good passing game without Vincent Jackson. Uh, with him gone, even without the production he had, he was able to keep defenses from shifting a safety over, double-covering Mike Evans. Mike Evans is probably going to have a situation, initially at least, a lot like what he had last year without Vincent Jackson for half the season. Uh, And he's going to have to be facing more coverage, more double coverage, uh, more safety shading to his side. Uh, So the first things they'll look at as we try and figure out what they do are the in-house options. Um, As the Bucs went to practice on Monday... Uh, They did not have Vincent Jackson, but they had four receivers who were new to the team in terms of practicing. Uh, Lewis Murphy practiced for the first time since his ACL surgery in in November of last year. He comes off the PUP list and has a three-week window where he can be evaluated to get called up and promoted to the 53-man roster. Uh, Murphy, whenever he's ready, would certainly be someone that can help Vincent Jackson, but literally he's had one practice. We have no idea how his body's going to respond how physically he would be ready this week if they decided to go that way. Uh, when the Bucks put Vincent Jackson on IR on Monday, they did not make a corresponding roster move. So that gives them at least uh, overnight to process their options and go from there. They might not decide until Saturday or Sunday uh, what they're going to do with this roster spot. Uh, by the time you get this podcast, they might very well have made a move Wednesday afternoon to get to 53 initially. Uh, The other guy that came back from injury on Monday was Cecil Shorts, who had missed four games with a hamstring injury. Uh, They signed Cecil uh, way back, uh, you know, first week of the season. Uh, We haven't seen much of him because of the injury, but obviously Cecil's a guy who has been a number two receiver in the NFL before. Uh, Had some good years in Jacksonville, uh, was there in Houston, kind of disappointed from what they needed him to be in Houston, Uh, but uh, has a history with Dirk Cutter. When healthy, he's a guy that could step up uh, and would not be unfamiliar with the role of, of getting uh, major targets thrown his way and being counted upon as a starting level NFL receiver. The other two that joined practice on Monday uh, were two practice squad receivers in Dante Dye and Freddie Martino. Uh, Dante Dye, again, a guy that would have made this team probably coming out of training camp, took a hamstring injury that last week of the preseason uh, and was waived injured. So it wasn't until uh, that injury settlement went through and three weeks passed that the Bucks could even bring him back at all. Um, so again, Dante Dye uh, had started games last year for the Bucks when they were depleted by injuries, uh, had a touchdown up at Washington, uh, had some success, certainly not the physical specimen that Vincent Jackson is. You're not going to compare him that way. Uh, but another guy who can catch passes, who can give them the speed option they probably don't have on the field right now. Uh, so all they have to do here is see what he does for the week. If they like his progress more so than Murphy or Shorts, you could easily see him promoted 
on Saturday and be on the 53-man roster, be active and dressing and playing on Sunday in San Francisco. Um, the other option is Freddie Martino. Freddie was obviously with the team in camp. Uh, they had called Freddie Martino up for two games. Only saw, I think, two targets in those two games. Uh, but Freddie's again, has some size, um, knows this offense well. They could elevate him into a larger role and see if he's a guy that can play opposite Mike Evans and have some of that size as an outside receiver, still keep Humphreys inside in the slot. Uh, he's an option as well. Uh, the next thing they would do is looking at their outside options. Um, a lot of you guys have been asking about Roddy White. Uh, that's something we heard a lot about before the season. We certainly heard a lot yesterday from guys asking about Roddy White. Uh, Roddy, even older than Vincent Jackson is, uh, he has gone unclaimed and unsigned by the entire league. Uh, you know, a guy that was very productive, has a history with Dirk Cutter in Atlanta. Uh, no one probably knows Roddy White. And what he can do, what he has left in the tank, than guys like Dirk Cutter and Mike Smith, who are on this Buck staff. So I tend to think that if they haven't done anything with him, it's because they know what he can do and they prefer the other options. You know, Roddy White had come out in the summer and said that he wanted to play for a winner, didn't want to be dragging his tail in week 13 for the right to be 4 and 10. So I think it would be understandable if Roddy White, having not had uh, much postseason, much playoff experience at all, would want to go to a winner. And even if he waits until week 10 and goes to uh, the Patriots or an NFL team that he knows is going to be deep in the playoffs, he's kind of earned that right. He can go in and be somebody's number four receiver, maybe get a ring that he hasn't gotten in uh, in his first uh, 12 years in the league. Uh, wouldn't fault him if that was the case. I don't know that Roddy White is the option. There are other options in terms of receivers that are out there right now, uh, guys they could pick up off the street. Um but guys that have been left, you know, again, if you get a guy that's unsigned in week seven of an NFL season, everybody in the league has had injuries. Everybody in the league has needed help at receiver and has politely passed on those players. So I don't know how much of a cavalry is coming off waivers off the street right now in week seven. Another thing that you guys are asking about is the possibility of a trade. Um, you know, there's a couple of receivers in Michael Floyd, in Alshon Jeffrey, even in a guy like Terrell Pryor. Uh, who could be available. Uh, Floyd and Jeffrey are both going to be free agents in 2017, so you run the risk of that being a rental. I don't know that it would take uh, a terribly high pick to get either of them. I think these teams, I think Arizona, I think Chicago, they know that they would get a comp pick if they just let those guys play out their contracts, if they signed as unrestricted free agents. Again, Alshon Jerry is going to get $10 million a year as a receiver in his free agency. Michael Floyd's probably going to get close to that as well. If they get those big contracts, there's a good chance that their old teams will get a comp pick, will get a, uh, a fourth or a fifth round comp pick or something like that. So for you to get them now, you're trading for them, but you're also having the team give up on that comp pick. So it's not like it's just going to take a conditional seventh round pick uh, to get a receiver of that caliber. I don't know that the Bucks are thinking now and immediate, and this is a team we can win with, enough that they would give up a draft pick for someone that could be a rental. Um, if you get something like Cleveland, where Cleveland is trying to get rid of things, uh, maybe they're selling uh, Terrell Pryor without really uh, asking for as much as he could get. You, you could see a steal like that, but I don't know right now uh, that, that Jason Light is a guy that's going to part with his draft picks very easily. I have heard a lot in the last 24 hours. This is another opportunity to second-guess the Bucks' draft picks this year. Uh, the Bucks did not draft a receiver. Uh, there had been some talk they might be. Uh, a lot of people thought maybe in the second round they draft a receiver. 
Um, and it's glaring right now because the Bucks took Noah Spence as a defensive end at number 39. The very next pick is a guy named Sterling Shepard, who's with the Giants, who's had a big splash early on. He has 26 catches for 302 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, a promising guy that, that could eventually be a, a really good receiver in the NFL. That that looks bad. When you see Noah Spence has been hurt, has one sack, one tackle, whatever it is he has, uh, has been very limited. Again, the Bucks didn't have a bigger need probably than defensive end last year. So I don't know that I question uh, them addressing that, especially when Noah Spence was a guy that people thought might have been available in the first round or high in the first round earlier in the draft process. I, I will point out a lot of people are saying um, with anything else that, again, the Bucks traded up to take Roberto Aguayo uh, in the second round at number 59. Uh, people talking about how that pick could be a receiver right now, could be a guy that, that insulates them against an injury like Vincent Jackson. And I just want to go through real quick and talk to you about the receivers who were taken after number 59 in this draft. Uh, I think we get excited talking about Sterling Shepard and other guys that have had uh, a fair amount of success as rookies, guys like Michael Thomas, guys like Will Fuller with the Texans, Tyler Boyd even with the with the Bengals. Uh, all those guys were gone at 59. So I want to make it clear, if you're taking the receiver at 59 or at 74 where the Bucks were before they decided to trade up, let me tell you what you're getting right now. Okay, The next six, seven receivers that were drafted after number 59, uh, Braxton Miller with the Texans, guy I really liked at Ohio State, liked the size Really thought he could be an NFL receiver with some size and some quickness and some playmaking ability. Uh, Braxton Miller has five catches for 34 yards. Uh, and again, I'm not about to judge these guys uh, based on their first five or six games in the NFL, but I don't want you to think that, that he's doing what Sterling Shepard is doing. Uh, so Braxton Miller, five for 34. The next receiver drafted, uh, Deontay Carew. I will challenge you to tell me where he's even playing in the NFL. Uh, Deontay Carew is with the Dolphins. Uh, he has two catches for 14 yards right now. Again, lots of good receivers in this league that barely make an impact as rookies and end up being great players. Vincent Jackson barely played on offense as a rookie in 2005 as a second-round pick out of Northern Colorado, ended up being a Pro Bowl player, obviously. So I'm not writing these guys off. I just want you to understand that drafting a guy in the second or third round doesn't mean he's a starter for you that year, okay? We talk about Braxton Miller. We talk about uh, Leonte Carew. I think I called him Deontay earlier, but Leontay Carew. Uh, next receiver drafted, Chris Moore with the Ravens. Chris Moore uh, has four catches for 30 yards as a rookie right now. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell from Georgia with the New England Patriots. He has six catches for 82 yards. So first four guys off the board after Roberto Aguayo. None of them have 100 yards total yet. Uh, we start getting a little bit success. Uh, Ricardo Lewis. Uh, one of the many rookie receivers with the Browns has 13 catches for 146 yards. A little bit of production there. Uh, the next guy is Farrell Cooper with the Rams, still looking for his first NFL catch. He's been dinged up. Uh, Demarcus Robinson goes to the Bears. He's still looking for his first NFL catch. So, again, these rookies that you might have drafted in the third or fourth round um, as potential starters and Vincent Jackson replacements, some of them don't have a single catch yet. Uh, Tajay Sharp would be an exception. He's a guy with the Titans. Guy I actually liked at a UMass. It was at the uh, East-West Shrine game in St. Pete. Uh, he's had a good start. He's got 18 catches for 189 yards. Was just a prolific catcher in college at UMass. Uh, but anyway, there's there's not an obvious answer for what the Bucks are going to do here. We'll find out a little bit more in the next, uh, well, in the next three days. And then even after that, we might not know what their long-term answer is. Bucks don't have to worry about a trade 
until November 1st. Uh, they could do it now if they wanted to. By the time this podcast goes out, they can make a move. Right now, I tend to think they are going to look at their in-house options first, see what Cecil Shorts, Lewis Murphy, uh, if it's Dante Die, what one of them can do to become a contributor, somebody that can take some of the slack from Mike Evans in this passing game. Uh, if you look at San Francisco, I don't think they're going to pass a lot against San Francisco. I think they're going to run the ball like crazy, even if it's not Doug Martin. Uh, San Francisco gave up 312 rushing yards last week uh, against uh, Buffalo Bills and LaShawn McCoy. Uh, Mike Gillisley had a 50-yard uh, touchdown run. Uh, lots of people ran the ball well against the 49ers. So again, even before this Vincent Jackson injury, I saw this as a game where the Bucks would very much want to assert themselves on the ground, uh, throw when that is set up by the success on the ground, but not necessarily throw a lot. They want to control this game, especially on the road. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much Jameis Winston throws and who he throws to outside of Mike Evans on Sunday. So anyway, that's the main news for today. Um, I want to thank our folks at SeatGeek for being the sponsor today. I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, we got two more podcasts to preview the 49ers, and then we are off and in the air going out west. Uh, excited about uh, seeing San Francisco for the first time and uh, looking forward to that. But lots more we'll talk about about both sides. Uh, we get interviews with uh, Todd Munkin and Jameis Winston. Uh, today we'll have interviews with the 49ers coach. We'll have... Uh, there's a lot of storylines we'll be talking about here in the next two days. That will wrap things up for today. Thank you guys for listening for the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. This is Greg Allman. Episode 58 is in the books. We'll be back and talk again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.